0: Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to OALAIG.org for login information. And now our speaker. My name is Carol, I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I'll qualify my top weight is somewhere around 325 pounds, give or take. Who knows? The scale stop weighing me. Um so the dial on the scale was 300, but it, it was literally, I would get on the scale of a 180, I'd get off the scale, step right back on the same scale, and was, um, you know, 220, I mean, it just didn't me. So, so I have definitely over 300 pounds. Um and let's see, uh, my, my, uh, I have, um currently I have 42 years of absence. I had to think and do the math again. Um and my absence is uh, no sugar, no flour. So for the first 17 years it was uh, I considered it a box. It was like uh, three meals a day, nothing between no flour and no sugar. And there was a lot of room in that box. Um, I used, I mean, I say I could eat a jungle at a salad bar, but I would still consider myself absence because my absence, <clears throat> for me is very clear-cut. I don't eat sugar and I don't eat flour. When I say don't eat flour, it means um, I don't eat oatmeal, I don't eat um couscous, I don't eat bran, I don't eat those type of products. Um, and though I eat rice pasta and rice gluten-free pizza, don't ask me why, don't I I don't doesn't make sense. My absence doesn't actually make sense to you, it has to make sense to me. And that's the bottom line. Um, I always like to say that if you follow me around, you might go like, Wait, do you think you're working good program? Wait, do you, you think you're absent? And the answer is no. I don't think I work a good program, but yes, I think I'm absent. Um, and I think if I go like I work a dynamite program, I work a hot damn program. I think I might lose some of that humility that I need to to work a good program, to be teachable, learn, and malleable. Um, so anyway, um, so what happened? I mean, literally, I, I was I was a teenage kid. I mean, I was I, I, I mean at, I was three twenty five in high school. And so I was most, you know picked on. I was bullied. It was, it was wasn't a pleasant experience. I had the experience of, of um, the corduroy crotch, you know, the crotch of my corduroy pants rubbing raw and having holes in my in my crotch. So I had to keep my legs crossed, which was difficult because I'm overweight. I had the experience of not wanting to bathe because it was I had to touch my body to bathe and I didn't want to touch my body. Um, someone saw my before picture once and they said, "Did you ever change the oil in your hair?" And I mean, that is because it was, I didn't want, that was not what I wanted. I mean, it was just, I didn't want to be in my body, but then yet I remember looking in the mirror one time, weighing 300 and something pounds, going, how can they tell I'm fat? I mean, I was looking at my face, how can they tell I'm fat? And if you saw my before picture, you, you would know, you, I was fat. I mean, I, I, mean, I just was. So, um, what happened is I wound up going to Obers Anonymous, um, when I was 17 years old, um, and when you hit the last house on the block when you're 17, it's kind of, um, kind of says something, I guess, about how far down you went. Um, and so, uh, and, and so I went to my first OA meeting. My parents were NA, and they and they turned me on to OA. And um, let me turn my phone off one second. Um and so, so I went to my first meeting and this man was there who said he'd lost 100 pounds and kept it off. And it, it gave me that, that magic thing, which I had not had before in my life, which was hope that maybe life could be better. And I mean, that's, that's one of the things I always like to say. Like, if you get nothing else on my pitch today, hear this. I'm a man who used to weigh over hundred pounds, was a hundred pounds heavier, and I've kept it off for 42 years. And if I can do it, you sure the hell can do it. So anyway, I, I came in when I was 17. Um, I got the hope. I was going to a meeting a week for moral support, you know, because it's how good to go to meetings. You know what I mean? Like I I let say I was a tourist. I would drop in, get this get this, you know, get the good the good feeling juice, you know, and then I'd go I'd stay absent. And I stayed absent because so you gave me a spray sheet of paper, and on this gray sheet of paper was a food plan. And when I came in, the food plan was suggested, like the steps are suggested. It really wasn't like, oh well you have an options of, of all these different things. Like, no, here's a suggested food plan. Oh, and also the steps are suggested. It's like almost it felt like one and the same for me. So I took the food plan, but I didn't take the steps because they're for my sick alcoholic parents. I couldn't pray to God because God was cursing me with being fat and uh, alcoholic parents because of all the horrible person I was. I mean, i was such a horrible person that that's the reason why I was being cursed. Um, and so literally it was like, okay, I can't work the program, but I can work the food plan. So I lost about – um Maybe 150 pounds, 125 pounds in about seven, six, seven months. Um But once again, I'm a 17-year-old boy. I I go from benching to eating two eggs and an orange for breakfast, and I'm working on shipping loading dock lifting mag rims during the summer between high school and college. I tell you that that I mean it's like that that horrible thing about compulsive eaters that none, none of us really like that that mathematical formula that if you put more calories in than you consume, you're going to store it as fat. If you Eat less calories than your body needs. Um, then you're going to uh, tap into that fat. I mean, that just sucks, but that's just way like this. So anyway, so I lost the weight, but I didn't deal with those things to make me seek excess food in the beginning. And that's, that's kind of the big thing about, I was thinking about this this morning about OA, about OA and all our slogans. Cause you, I, I don't, I've never been to a commercial diet plan. But I'm sure that they, they, they'll they give you tips and hints, like if you drink 12 glasses of water, you won't feel full. If you feel full, if you feel hungry, eat, get some chewing gum. We go the opposite way. Right? We go like, oh, uh, you know, so you're, you're feeling hungry. What's going on? Our slogans are more like easy does it, live and let live. Our slogans are more about how do you cope with life? And if we cope with life, then we don't need to turn to food to cope with life. And that's what I was doing as a compulsive reader. And that's what it, when you raise your hand and said you're a compulsive reader, that's what you acknowledge. You say that I deal with life by 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 turning to food. Whether it's excess food, whether it's restricting food, whether it's purging, whether it's being a body obsession, whatever you want to call it, we've turned to that that substance, that 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 chemical whatever that that we get. And so so I didn't deal with what made me seek excess food, so I had to put the weight back on. And I got back after about um about 250, 260, something like that. Um and I remember like when I was when I was gaining this weight, I was stuffing my face going, see I I I've lost over a hundred and twenty five pounds. I can lose weight any time. I can lose weight any time. And as I was stuffing my mouth going up in weight, right? Um then I did deal with one of those things that I that was I was eating over, and I was such a horrible person about, and then that's the reason why God didn't love me, and that's the reason why I was I was being cursed, and I came out of the closet. And when I came out of the closet, I dealt with one of those major issues that I was eating over. And I always like to say that before I came out, they would say, "Turtle, if you lose the weight, you'll get the girls. And I was like, okay. Then after I came out, they said, "Turtle, if you lose the weight, you'll get the boys. And I was kind of like, okay, now we're talking, that's the reason why for me to stop eating. You know, it's like, I guess it's kind of like, if you're gonna take away my food, which is my comfort, my solace, my friend, my my motherly love, you damn well better give me something in its place. And so, for a brief period, I was giving a, a man in my life became a, a replacing substance. Like, oh my God, that's worth it. But as any substance goes, it doesn't it doesn't solve the problem. And the problem was me. And so I continue to um I I well, learning one amazing thing um, when I came to those meetings when I was a tourist, you said it's not the 100th bite that puts the weight on, it's the first. So I learned if I don't take that first bite all day long, I'm safe from food. And that concept about safe from food is normal eaters don't get that. Normal eaters understand, what do you mean you're safe from food? Food is an enemy object. How is it going to attack you? How is it going to, like, like well, if, you're, if you're a compulsive eater, you get it. Like, oh my God, if I, like, I'm just, if I can just be safe from food. And that's why most of these readers I've met have said, if I could just take a pill and not deal with food, if I could just take a pill and then not and go with my life, we, right? We would do that. But as we've all heard in these meetings and these rooms is that if we find that magic pill, that's not going to solve the life problem. And then we want to turn to our substance, which takes the edge off, right? So the chewing and all that stuff, the tact off, the constant thinking about it. I mean, if you're thinking about you're your and what you're going to eat, and what's going to happen, and how you're going to get this, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so fat, I'm oh like, God, I'm so fat, and it's like, you know, like then you don't get to focus on what really is the issue, which is what's going on with your life. So food is a nice diversion. My weight is a nice diversion. I like to like to um, when I when I work with uh, getting a new sponsor, which is in the ages Um, because my old sponsees just don't seem to go away. They just seem to keep hanging around, Um, which is a good thing. Um, But I also do this when I leave retreats. I tell everyone, okay, get out. Let's write a little inventory and write about how food affected your life. But you can't use weight. You can't use fat. You can't use body size at all. How did food affect your life? And when you get honest about how food affected your life, you go like, oh. I use food as a substance, as a drug, not to deal with life. Though I thought I was using it to cope with life. So what happened was, I was maintaining my weight at 160 pounds by not eating anything all day long, except getting nine or 10 donuts on the way home from the discotheque versus is like in the late 70s. And I dealt I had to get my donuts because that's how I dealt with all the rejection I felt. Standing in a crowded, dark discotheque in the late 70s, I'd stand in a corner, and I'd be afraid to move my little finger because I knew that if I moved my little finger, it'd be wrong. And someone would walk up to me and say, fat boy, what are you doing here? Look at you, are too fat, you're too ugly. Go home. You, I saw the way you moved your finger. Now, I wasn't fat. I was 160 pounds, which is probably 20 pounds less than I weigh now, 30 pounds less than I weigh now. Uh, and I wasn't ugly. But that's how I had to deal with those feelings of of of, of less than and of self-absorption and self-centeredness. So I'd stop and get my donuts. So I maintained my weight that way for about a year or so on and the and donut diet. I then was um, being fitted for contact lenses, and the doctor said um, he had, he couldn't get my prescription right. And back then, it took several several visits to an eye doctor to you get your contact lenses. It wasn't like they just pull them off the counter, uh, uh the counter and, uh, shelf and say, here, try these. Oh, they're okay. Here, try these. They had us in the way for them. And so after a couple, like a month or two of trying to get my prescription right, he, my eye doctor, who had operated my eyes when I was a kid, said, Terrell, is there a history of hypoglycemia or diabetes in your family? And I said, yes. I mean, my grandmother died from them taking body parts. I mean, they're, shes they're taking her leg, but she's eating hard candy and dead in the hospital bed. I don't know if I can say she's a compulsive overeater, but the fox like a doc, the model's like a duck, might be a duck. So anyway, she, so I, so I said yes. He asked me a simple question. It's a very simple question for a doctor to ask someone. Carol, are you eating sugar? And my response was, a little. And the reason why I say a little was because I wasn't eating a three-pound box of seized chocolate. Because when I eat a three-pound box of seized chocolate, or just even a pound of seized chocolate, I have to start getting my chemistry work, which is actually I have to take protein in me so I can keep the binge going. I don't know if you've ever done that chemistry work where you you – you keep doing this, this, where you're going to add this food so you can keep the binge going. And then, like, so then you have this food, you get too much of this, you get too salty, or your mouth is torn up from all the potato chips, and then you switch over to maybe some sugar and so forth. So I, so to me, nine or ten donuts is not a lot of sugar because I never ordered a dozen because if you order a dozen, it makes you a compulsive overeater. I don't know if you've ever had those things like, oh well, I'm, I'm not a compulsive eater because I never ate out with trash. Or whatever. I never, I never, I mean, I never driven in a snowstorm to go get a binge food because I live in Los Angeles. So there ain't no snowstorms to drive through, but there I am, right? So, but we all have these, these, um, um, these stories that we like to tell ourselves why we're not. So he said, I sent a little and he said, Terrell, if you do not stop eating sugar, you'll be blind. And then I proceeded, to went to Europe and put on 30 pounds and six weeks. Now that's, that's five pounds a week traveling through Europe. It's not like sitting in front of my TV with the blinds drawn, the the phone disconnected. And so I literally was, I was binging my way. I mean, I was eating nothing but sugar pretty much because that's how I had to deal with all those emotions and feelings I had traveling with, with a, with a guy I was dating, then traveling alone in Europe. I had to deal with my feelings and I didn't have a program to deal with my feelings. So I didn't use my substance food. And I can remember when I'm, while well, I'm like in Europe, um, thinking, I, I, can still see when things start to go gray, that's when I'll stop. And that is my bottom as far as I think my thinking. I, I'm willing to sacrifice my eyesight for one more bite of chocolate. Just one more bite. It wasn't like I need a, I need a three pound box of cheese candy. But it was just, no, just one more bite of chocolate. But we all know one more bite of chocolate. Well, not for everybody, but for me, one more bite of chocolate will lead to another bite of chocolate, which leads to another bite of chocolate. So I never was going to, I was never going to binge. I mean, it was like just, I just needed to get my fix. So when I came back, I came back from uh, Europe and I called my sister up and said, I need to go, I need to dry out. And this was before there was eating disorder units. And she said, I, uh, I said, can I can spend a weekend? She was in OA. And I, she said, uh, um, I've got company about taking a meeting on, on on Sunday. This is maybe like a Friday, and I and I knew what to do from my previous experiences. I got down the big book because uh, I was at my at my stepfather's house. Get the big book, and I got out the big book and I read it cover to cover. And I went to my meeting on on Sunday afternoon, and you folks blew me away again. Not the first time I came, you gave me hope. The reason why i couldn't come back to ovaries animals, even though i hit the last block on the house was because i didn't belong in oa i didn't fit in oa i was different i was not a housewife i was not a woman i was gay all that stuff i i couldn't do that restricted food plan because i have a life and i'm this 23 year old guy like so so what happened was i um i went to this first meeting and there was a mass meeting so that blew the thing about women he was a moderate mealer, which blew that whole thing about, you gotta follow the gray sheep, you gotta do the gray sheep. It was a moderate mealer, it's like, you eat moderately, you don't, you don't have these restrictions. Then it was, um and then after that, and then it was like, I found out that there was meetings every night, the day in service center. So that blew that through. So if you've got these reasons why OA is not right for you, it's, 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 it's just bullshit. I mean, for lack of a better word, it's just, because it's literally, it's like, None of us – I've never heard anyone in OA say, oh, well, you don't belong because you're not, right, or because you are. Everyone is welcome here, which is a wonderful thing. I mean, that's what we talk about. Our primary purpose is to trade message another compulsive reader. you got to at least say that maybe, perhaps, possibly I might be a compulsive reader. We don't say you've got to insist that, oh, yeah, I'm 100% a compulsive reader. we just got to go, like, well, maybe I'm trying with that idea. So um, – so now, that was in 1978, in the, in the uh, like September 1978. And I went to OA and I, I got abstinent and I lost the 30 pounds I gained in Europe, so I was back from my post to GLOW. go, go away. And, um, I had a spiritual experience. I felt it, the spiritual experience was no heaven singing. There was no visions. I was just walking to this park and I heard this small still voice say, God, Carol, you're going to be okay. You're that's right to be here as that tree. It was the first in my life I felt like I wasn't breathing your air. And, and that's an amazing experience for me, not to feel like any second, any one of you could stash my life away, stash my breath. Five minutes, sure. Five minutes. Five minutes. Okay, great. So, so I went to my sponsor after being in OA for a couple of months and said, you know, I'm sick and tired of this, when this room is full of fat ass people talking about their problems. I'm sick and tired of being told what I can and cannot eat, when I can and cannot eat. I want to go live my life. I'm to go out dancing with boys in Palm Springs. And so I was, I was done. I was done with OA because I don't want to be a member of Overeating Anonymous. To this day, I don't want to be a member of Overeating Anonymous. To this day, I don't appreciate being a compulsive overeater. To this day, I wish I wasn't. But as I've been told many times, and especially my sponsor said it, you know, you don't come here to be social. You don't come here for any other reason except to save your ass. So why am I still on an Overeating Anonymous? To save my ass. Because what happened is I went out, I broke my ass on January 5th, 1979 on two pieces of toast. was my last binge. And when I ate that toast I knew I saw the donuts and I was gonna go get my donuts. And I got scared and I said, God, please, I cannot do it one more time. Please, God, I cannot do it one more time. And so I, I got up the next morning and was been in LA ever since. January sixth, and I just announced my absence sleep. And what I couldn't do one more time had nothing to do with weight. It had to do with the mental obsession, the craziness that comes when I'm in my disease. That that wrong, that self hatred. The self-loathing, the constant thinking, concern, but what do you think of me? What do you think of me? Oh my God, did I do that right? Oh my God, did I do that? That, that constant, I can't do that one more time. And that's why I have 42 years, because I, it's not about the weight. But I've been to, it's about the weight when it's about the weight, but it's not about the weight when it's not about the weight. And so, here I am, and now, you know, I could say in five, five minutes, oh, what's my, what's 42 years of life living? Absolutely, life. I don't know. I've lived life, have a a wonderful life. Um, Maybe I should just tell you what my life is like today. Um, Because I I was a scared boy who was afraid to move his finger in a crowded discotheque. And here I am. I'm 65 years old. I'm looking at retiring or semi-retiring. I have an apartment in West Hollywood. I am buying a condo here in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. So I'm looking at retiring to, uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. I'm living here for, well, this year so far, it's going to be about five months and come the fall, I'll probably be here another two months. I'm so grateful for Zoom meetings. I cannot tell you because I'm so used to being in LA to in-person meetings and I've encountered Zoom meetings that go like, because of pandemic, just because the pandemic's over, this is going to stay a Zoom meeting. And because they're it's international now. So I have my I I listened to this the seven thirty meetings and from LA because it's nine thirty my time. I walked the streets of Puerto Vallarta, um, listening to OA meetings and I, I talked to my sponsor I called my sponsor a couple of month, weeks ago and said, you know, I'm I, I'm I'm like I feel guilty my life is so good. And she's like and she just laughed because that's who we are as compulsive readers. Oh my God, my life is so good. I feel guilty. I should not be feeling this good. Or it's like, Oh my God, I'm, my life is shit. Oh my God, and I I've been through like, Oh my God, my life is terrible. Oh my God, I didn't know how I was going to pay my rent. And my my a friend who reminds me like, Remember how? Remember now you're you're looking at retirement and buying a place in TV. I can remember when you were, were scared that you couldn't afford to pay your rent, and like, and you some miraculously some check showed up. Um. And so my life has changed dramatically, and that's actually one of the things that I'm dealing the hardest with right now because, you know, I don't know a composed reader who really likes change. We kind of like to get everything kind of settled and flat, like just, like, if it's if it's controllable, if we can, like, literally go, like, okay, then I can control it and I, I feel safe and secure because I feel like most composed readers don't want to feel safe and secure. And the thing that happens is life is chaotic and life changes and we go like, oh my God, how can I deal with this? And it's like, right. So what away goes like, breathe, take a breath. Don't have to deal with your whole life today. Don't have to deal with, don't, I don't have to deal with retirement, moving to PV, leaving Los Angeles. don't have to deal with all that today. I just take one step at a time, one thing at a time. And it, it, it's amazing. I, I'm finding peace. Then I called my sponsor the, I think the other day and said, I know I, I'm like, this is like I'm no, I'm scared. I'm moving to Mexico. She says, This is what you wanted. This is what you planned for. She like, I know, but I'm crazy. Just because I planned it and I didn't what I wanted doesn't mean that I'm like, okay, yay. It's like I'm a compulsive reader. That's the compulsive reader brain that we bring into it. That's why it's called stinking thinking. That's why our slogans are, well. Drink twelve glasses of water a day, and you won't feel so hungry. So therefore, you won't seek excess food. Our slogan is live and Let Live." Let go, easy does it. And so, with that, it's been a uh, it's, it's been. I saw the Vincent. So thank you. Um, thank you for letting me share, Don. Thank you for asking me. Um, Sponsors, sh- I should probably thank them because I'm sure they think they keep me abstinent, which they might, but I won't let them know that. Um, and uh, uh, so I guess that's it. Thanks for letting me share. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not of those of Over's Anonymous as a whole. Thank God. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. You asked a question last week. Please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please click on the raise your hand icon. Okay. Mark, if you're on, you, you get your call. Bill? Hi, Taro. I'm Bill. Uh, I've known you a long time. As a gay man, I identify with your emotional journey. Would would you talk about uh, how you use acceptance as a spiritual practice? I'd love to hear that. Um, One of my favorite sayings is, oh, well. I I mean – uh, to me, it's, so, uh, so I'm an atheist, right? And so, uh, but I have, I have a belief in, in, I have a belief in a higher power, but that, I don't believe in the supreme being, I don't believe in the deity, I don't believe in a God of parking spaces. But my, my, my higher power today is peace, love, hope, patience, kindness, acceptance, trust, gratitude, and laughter. And so, to me, accepting is like, like okay, like I don't know. I mean, I can fight and beat my head and try to win a battle. And, you know, it's it's kind of like I, I one of my favorite sayings is, you know, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Your ego always wants to be right. So if I look at that and go like, oh, okay, so, like, if, if it's, I mean, I'm on my, like, I love to t- someone wants to argue with me, I'll just go, you're right, whether I believe it or not, it don't make any difference. you're right i'm not I'm not here to try and try and change the world. I'm just trying to find internal peace. And the way I find internal peace is to go, oh well, I don't know that answers the question, but it's it's it's, it's the way I deal with acceptance. Oh well. or the other thing I, the other thing I'm going on the latest thing I'm doing now is go. I'm adding or at the end of a sentence. So, like, I'm going to return to um, right now. I'm scheduled to return back to LA on June 30th, or who knows? Who knows? Might be end of July. Might be June 20th. Who knows? Or okay. Next up, we have Julie. Uh, Judy. Sorry. Okay. Oh ah. God! Bringing the old timers in to ask the questions. Yeah, and it's an old-timer question. Thank you so, so much. Uh, and I hope you'll post your contact in the chat. Um, but uh, just other than the Zooming, what major shift do you think there is between your early recovery and how you walk this journey here as an old-timer? What changes as you age in the, in the spiritual journey? In the first few years, I was trying to be um, king of OA. I was trying to work a perfect program. I was trying – I wouldn't read a newspaper because, it, it, like, I should be reading the big books. So I was – it was like – and I was going to lots of meetings, and I was I was trying to be – and my sister who was, was in the program said, so you want to be king of the fatties. Is that what you want to be? <laughs> like, by being the, the king of OA. And it was like – so – So, I mean, I was going to a ton of meetings. I was doing a ton of writing. I was making outreach calls, which right now I'm – so if anyone's ever called me for an outreach call, I apologize. I am the worst at outreach calls. I hate being on the phone. I don't like being on the phone for work, though I have to be on the phone for work. I hate being on the phone. My friends are calling me. I'm trying to get them off the phone. I'm just not a good phone person. So it's kind of like acceptance. Oh well, this is who I am. Do I beat myself up and go like, "Well, I should do better"? Maybe, but I'm happy, joyous, and free. So, so today, I mean, at 42 years. I mean, it's just it's a part of my DNA. It's a part of my makeup. Like thinking, thinking, I'll come in and go like, "Oh, there it is." There it is, right? There's that thinking, thinking, right? You, 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 you know the song. I mean, one of the songs that I have in my head is, or that I call it the big guns, is you're too fat and too ugly to get a guy. That's the reason why I'm single. I'm too fat I'm too ugly to get a guy. Now that's BS, but that's kind of like, it, when I was new in program, that was reality for me. That was cold, clear reality. Now I go, yeah, there it is there it is right and now i'm at the point like i, I used to pray for freedom from uh, like i would call it sexual, sexuality for freedom sexuality or freedom just freedom and and now it's what happened when i thought like oh i would it, it would encompass a lot of different things now it's like oh i'm single i'm happy it's crazy i'm here in mexico i live with my my sister in law my brother and they're more interested me getting hooking up with some guy than me interested in hooking up. Like I got this, I remember I had this family pressure that says, "Why don't you have a boyfriend? You should have a boyfriend. Why don't you have a boyfriend? You should have a boyfriend." Like, oh my god. But so the, I guess I'm going off in tangents, but that's kind of like I go like, you know, I'm happy being single. I don't have to buy into what you want from me. When I was new, I can tell you the inventories I wrote. I wrote like a shitload of inventories. I will. I mean. I I mean. Oh my god! I'm on the phone crying with my sponsor. Now I call my sponsor every so often. And before this whole transition to um, to Mexico, it was more like, "Hi, life is good. I got no problems. I'm just checking in to acknowledge I got a sponsor. Life is good. Like, literally, it's it's everything is fucking door. And I think that's that's one of the biggest shifts for me, is I stopped trying so hard to be a saint and i just i'm just terrible morts and all what's all. and that's what i'm saying if you follow me you might go like oh my god you're not working perfect program i'm happy joyous and free that's isn't that what i'm supposed to be and i maintain a normal body size that's so i guess that's that's the difference for me um i don't go to meeting meetings i uh I don't make as many phone calls. I don't write as much. If you're new, bust your ass working this program. That's the best thing I can say. It laid a good foundation. I was complaining for ten years, first ten years of my absence. All I do is go to meetings and write inventories, and I don't I'm like. I want to go live life, and I'm tired. Of this. And that's the reason why I say you're a newcomer until you get ten years or more of absence, or if you have ten years less absence, you're still a newcomer because you're going like, yeah, you need that ten year foundation that 10-year base to fly. Now, that doesn't mean like, oh, you're going to be misery, miserable the first 10 years. But if you get that 10-year base, you can fly. You, It's just amazing, amazing how life, good life is. And it has nothing to do with exterior. It has to do with interior. Because if I turn to outside to make me feel good, then I'm going to turn to outside to make me feel bad. And so it's not about – like I've had – I mean, I've had – ups and downs in life in the last 42 years, right? Lost family members, uh, had uh I've had the hip replacement, shoulder replacement, knee replacement, dectomy, uh let's see, I found out I've got HIV, all this stuff, right? But life is chaotic. How do I deal with it? And that's what my program does. It enables me to deal with what life throws at me. I, hope, I don't if that answer your question, Judy, but I love you anyway. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> I think you get it. Okay. Next up we have Janet. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you have to unmute yourself. Come on. Mute. There. Now you're unmuted. Thank you for your service, Sarah. Would you think tell me, uh, 42 years is a long time. How do you keep it going? the same repetition and the same repetition. So Janet, I couldn't hardly hear you. Could you repeat the question? I said, how do you, uh, for such a long time, keep on going of the same repetition every day? You know, I, I, people ask you that, and I hear it asked of old timers, and I want to go, are you not a composable reader? does food not come knocking on your door every day and go, like, hi, let's go some adventures. Let's have some fun. Let's go have a party. Let's, like, oh, you're bored. How about let's just have, have some good times here. How about, like, oh, spiritable. Let's see what in the kitchen. I'm a compulsive reader, and I will be till the day I die. So there's no, like, oh, well, I get to rest on my laurels, or I get to go, like, no, literally, I'm a compulsive overeater, and if I don't work the program, what happens is, and it happens every time, my weight starts creeping up. And it's because I found a load of excess food, or I found a new toy to play with. i never never found a new food to play with. You go like, oh, I think I got away with something. Oh, yes, and I think oh, I had one, and it didn't really bother me, so I'm going to have another one. Oh, and that really didn't bother me, so the next day you have three of them. And that's kind of started bother me. Go like I can't tell anyone about this yet because I'm not ready to give it up, but I'm going to still play with it, right? I don't know if that's what you do, but that's what I do as a compulsive love reader. I'm not one of those compulsive readers that says, "Oh, I've never had a green bean too many" this in the last 42 years. And God bless the people that say they they they, they haven't had a green bean too many in 42 years. I'm not that I'm not that variety of compulsive love reader. I'm just not. So how does how does this per, how do I keep doing the repetition? First off, I love morning meditation. You know, I do twenty minutes of meditation in the morning. I love it. Uh, I can't imagine life without it. Um the the oh well, how important is it really? All those things. It just life is good. Life is good. And it doesn't mean it's not like so tomorrow I'm going on vacation. I know it's not. I mean people are me coming all the time, like, When are you going on vacation? You're in Puerto Rico, aren't you on vacation? Now it's like, no. I live here. I'm going to Playa del Carmen with the family tomorrow. We'll be there for five days. Life is good. But I also will say life is good. When I'm in severe pain, when I was having my hip replaced and I was in misery and I, and I had to breathe because it's not about the exterior. It's what do I need to do inside to make, find peace. And the only way I've been able to find peace is, work, is by working the principles of the 12-step program of over And so that's the reason why I don't stop doing it, because the payoff is worth it. And if you're new, you don't know if the payoff is worth it yet, because you're still going, I don't know if it's worth it yet. I don't know if it's worth it. And trust me, even that one moment where you, where you didn't compulsively overeat, you have that one glimmer of a second where like, oh, wow, I don't hate myself right now. Wow, that feels kind of, I like that. But then it's going to disappear in you because if you're new, it's going to come back with like, oh, my God, I'm a piece of shit. And I'm so fat. And why can't I do it? Like, and then you're going to work the program and you go like, oh, wow, I'm okay. And that might stay for three seconds. And then you go like, oh, my God, I hate myself again. So, I don't know. I don't know if that is the question. All right, uh, got five minutes, and the next uh, person is William. Oh, uh, William, uh, compulsive mobile reader um, Yeah, I heard you saying that uh, how well things are going now, and I'm just wondering how much of the work that you've done in this program on food issues has contributed to kind of where you are. Okay, so if I was binging, I would hate you. I would hate me. I wouldn't hate you. I'd be afraid of you. I would, I would not have my own business, because I I have my own business because I said yes. And when I'm binging, I'm afraid of life. I'm scared, and I hate, and I go inward. And it's all about what about me and my needs. And you don't understand. You know, you can, I can't have a good life because if I had a good life, then that would prove the, prove me wrong that I had such a horrible childhood. I mean, these are thoughts I've had to deal with. Things I had to deal with in absent. Going like, well, if I shine, then how can I use my past, my childhood, as a reason to keep me down? And, and that gives puts you, uh, lets you off the hook because you were so mean to me. It, if I'm binging, if I'm in the food, all I can think about is I want my donuts. Everything really wants donuts now. Oh, wait, wait, I, I'm so fat. I'm so, wait, I'm so fat. What can I do? I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work out the gym. I'm going to go to the gym for five hours to work off the weight. Oh, my God, I'm so fat. And, like, no one's going to like me, and I don't know why I'm in trying. That's what food does to me. But the thing is, it's not necessarily the food. It's the thoughts that make me seek excess food. So the thoughts about, I'm a worthless piece of shit, and I'm no good, and I'm, I'm horrible, and no one wants to be with me, that's a direct result of my thinking. And the reason why I wait, that I discovered at a very early age, at age four, a fic cycle made my life feel better and I pursued that for the rest of my life, trying to chase that that oh when I bought a ficle, when I bought bought on that ficle and when I was four years old, it was like, Oh, I can breathe. And so when I get my food and go, Oh, I can breathe again. But the problem is my life doesn't change. That's the reason why working in a twelve step program has enabled the life I have today. I really have to oh, wait. Okay, oh, wait does not guarantee me any anything physically. Doesn't guarantee me a husband, doesn't guarantee me wealth, doesn't guarantee me anything. It will guarantee, if I work a 12 step program of Overs and it, it will guarantee that I will maintain and achieve a normal life size and I become joy, happy and free. That's what I'm guaranteed. And if that's what you want as a newcomer, keep coming back. Okay, next question. Oh, we had a hand raised, but it came down. Uh, does anyone have a one minute question to? Throw? Lacey. Lacey's got her hand Lacey, up. Hey, Lacey, go ahead. Um, I'm Lacey I'm a compulsive overeater thank you so much for your share um, I was just wondering what is your daily program look like you said you meditated for 20 minutes but does it is it the same for you every day or do you have a routine that you kind of go through well let's see uh, my life is in flux and change obviously because I, I mean I'm used to live in West Hollywood now I'm living in TV for a while, and I'm going to go back to West Hollywood, and i come back to Mexico. So I've had to establish routines, and I love routines. But right now, basically, my alarm is set for um, 7.30 because it's, it's light here, um, late. Then I I, uh, I meditate for a half an hour or about 20 minutes. Then I take a sponsor's phone call, who calls me every morning, whether I want him to or not, um, and he reads me his inventory. Um, I... I come up with a mantra for the day for him. Um It's a spiritual mantra. Sometimes it's like, um, sometimes it's so spiritual, that it's like, I'm going to cuss here. It says, like, brain, shut the fuck up. Or it might be something like, you know, today I turn my will and my life over to the care of my higher power, who I trust is going to take me to the, the highest good for all. So then basically I work out because I exercise is part of my, of my, program in a sense i like literally it's 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 not a tool but for me it's a tool because i feel better when i work out i, I stress release it's just i feel better then i make breakfast and then throughout the day i just kind of go like okay okay oh well God. I, th- those slogans have been so at 42 years those slogans have been so ingrained in my brain that I, I just didn't mean, like i don't know what i'm thinking of Because I can tell when I talk to a newcomer, I can hear that. Got it. Thinking. Yeah, I I can hear the thinking, thinking that I used to have, and I go like, "Ooh, yeah, I used to think like that, and now I don't think like that." So, I I that's that's my daily routine.